You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Live coast to coast on the BetQL network, wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app. It's free. Download it and take us with you. A-U-D-A-C-Y. And of course, rewind to anything you may have missed, like Andrew McKinnis from Wager Talk and Puck Time just a few moments ago talking hockey. And download it as a podcast later, both in your Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. For anything you may have missed, we are on Twitch as well. Twitch.tv slash BetQL and YouTube Odyssey Sports. NFL mock draft season has started in earnest already. We're four days out from the conclusion of the Super Bowl. Doesn't matter. We're ready to go. Come on. If Kyle Shanahan's going to start lopping off assistant coaches just to save himself, then by all means, we're diving headlong into mock drafts. Never season. too early, my friend. Never too no. early. So we'll do that in 20 minutes. And in the final hour, Colby Dant of the College Experience will join us to talk hoops, which we do right now with a quick addition of faith or no faith. I mean, it is, you know, for those that are celebrating, it's Lent. So let's get, let's, let's take ourselves to church. Let's get the ashes here on the forehead, J-Rod, right? <laughs> faith or no faith in college basketball. And let's take some of the big names in particular and talk about how good we feel about them or maybe don't going into the stretch run here. And let's start with a team that has at times looked like they've adjusted really well to the Big 12. And then at other times, like that Saturday a couple weekends ago in Lawrence, eh, maybe, maybe it's just the Big 12 or maybe they have their issues if they can't lock down defensively the way they want to. We start with the Houston Cougars, 10 to one to win the national championship plus two twenty five to make the final four. Maybe that's good value for you. Maybe it's not, but the Houston Cougars faith or no faith in this team going on a deep run in March. I have plenty of faith because I, I think what, what I think the, the conferences do, in addition to getting, you know, you automatic bids into the tournament, especially for the small guys, but for these conferences, like the Big 12, has has any conference benefited more from expansion? I mean, the Big 12 in basketball is a monster. And so the level of competition that you have to play on a night in and night out basis, I think is sort of like a mini uh, national tournament. And so when you get to that, uh, to the big dance, I think you're already sort of battle tested. They're on they're on pace to be a number one seed uh, out there in the tournament. 
They they went through it last year. There is some pedigree with the coaching staff. I like Houston. I like them to make a deep run. Final four, I wouldn't say that just yet, but I, I like them going to at least a Sweet 16, maybe even an Elite Eight. Yeah, I will say in Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology at ESPN.com, he still got them as a one seed uh, in the South. Um, and in a region with Marquette as the two, uh, Duke as the three, um, Illinois as the four, Creighton five, um, Kentucky tough. six. So it's it's a tough region, but I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, they're, they're the clear-cut favorite in that region. So when you talk about Final Four odds, like I said, plus 225 to make the Final Four seems like a good number to me right now. Now, that's based on a theoretical bracket as it's set right now. Mm-hmm. That's not – but to your point about the Big 12 – they're going to do their best, the committee, to separate those Big 12 teams uh, among the four regions. So there's a good chance they, if they do run into a Big 12 team, it's not happening until at least the Sweet 16, if not later. If not, not at all until the Final Four. So plus 225, at least in my opinion. I have faith in them going on a deep enough run to be legitimate Final Four favorites, to be the one on the one or two line, probably the one line in their region, I think plus 225 is a great number to make the final four. All right, let's keep it in the Big 12. Let's talk about the perennial big dogs in the Big 12, the team that embarrassed Houston a couple weeks ago, the Jayhawks. 18-1 to one to win the national title, 4-1 to one to make the final four. Do we have faith in these Jayhawks or after watching the way they imploded the other night, Bill Self getting ejected, do we have questions? Are, are we lacking faith in the Jayhawks, J-Rod? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have no faith for, for, for Kansas. Uh, I, I, just, I just think they're too bipolar. They're too hit or miss. Great at home, bad on the road. The offense is so hit or miss. See Texas Tech, for example. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's coaching. I mean, I mean, I don't think you could say that Bill Self doesn't have that team prepared. Uh, you know, he, he's seen any and everything in terms of in terms of college basketball. I just don't think they they have the talent enough to make a deep run. Win a win a first round game, sure, but I think it may end after that. I think it's going to jump up and bite them. The the inconsistency again. Playing in a great conference helps you because they get you battle-tested, but I think it also exposes you, and I think Kansas is exposed. Yeah, I mean, I have faith in them. They're at least, like I said with with Houston, at least a Sweet 16 team. The question is going to be, when do they start to hit? It? When do they start to run into the level of challenge that they're they're going to have difficulty with like the Texas tech loss. I'll chalk that up big 12 on the road, right? I don't expect that same level of offense or lack thereof to show up in the first two rounds. They're a sweet 16 team. I don't doubt that. The question is again, when we talk about brackets and how they shape up and who they face in the sweet 16 in the elite eight, are they going up against a team that's comfortable playing a grinded out kind of style and could take advantage of that. Like uh, I'll throw out a Wisconsin, for example, a big 10 team that will happily play grinded out, ugly basketball and perhaps put Kansas in a situation where if they're not shooting well on a given night, they are in trouble again. See Lubbock uh, this past week. Uh, I think offensively though, they're gifted enough to put together a run to the elite eight. 
I don't know if I have faith in them as a final four team. Four to one, not good enough value. I don't think I would need something a little bit longer. 18 to one to win a national championship. I'm not there with Kansas just yet. Purdue, seven to one to win the national championship. 160 to make the final four, but here we go. This is one of those teams that's faltered in the early rounds a couple years in a row now, J-Rod. Is it just, I mean, it can't happen again, right? Or can it? Listen, on this very show with the cast of characters that are on there, we have famously said it's per, not Purdue, it's Perdon't. It's PTSD, Purdue Tournament Stress Disorder. They always poop the bed. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The characters, the actors, the situations, they find a way. Uh, You listen, they have some great wins this year. Tennessee, Marquette, Arizona, Illinois. They've got all the makings, but we've seen this before. They're set to be a number one seed. They're the number two team in the country. I would think so. I, you know, but to me, plus 160 to make the final four doesn't give me, doesn't entice me enough to, to put any money on them. So I have faith, but I don't have faith. I guess, I guess I'm, I'm a non-believer in a Purdue tournament stress disorder. I, I, I don't want any part of that. Prove me yeah, wrong. I mean, I hate to say it about what's widely regarded as one of the two or three best teams in the country with the player of the year on the roster and Zach Eady. But until I see them, (laughs) right. Until I see them fix their issues in the tournament, I can't have faith in them. Maybe it's stupid. Um, You know, there's a, there's a reason they're seven to one to win the national title. They are that good, but I'm sorry. When you've gone out in the first round, two of the last three years, I I can't believe in you. I just can't. So, yeah, I don't have any faith in Purdue either. Maybe all of those failures the last couple of years have piled up and Matt Painter is able to do something with them and he's able to take them deep this year. Again, to make the Final Four, they're plus 160. I don't think there's the value there that you would want to roll the dice that they don't make a mess of themselves again in the early rounds and much less do enough to get through the second weekend of the Mm -hmm. tournament as well. Mm -hmm. All right. The team that I have a future on bought it way back in December, UConn seven to one to win the national title. Same number is as Purdue um, to make the final four at plus one sixty. So J rod UConn faith or no faith. Undying loyalty, blind faith. Yes, yes, yes. I'm, you know, even at seven to one, I think that's a good number for for the defending national champions, the number one team, clearly the best team in the country. Uh, the pedigree, yes, absolutely. You know, I think I think UConn set to be a number one seed, maybe a number one overall seed. Uh, it'll be an easier path for them. They've done it before. They know the grind of the tournament. Uh, and I think they're just better than everyone. And at seven to one, you know, plus one sixty to final four. Sure, I mean it's it's a nice number, but I love I love that you can still get it at seven to one to win the whole thing. Actually, I got to update it too since they uh, since they absolutely rolled last night. They're down to plus six fifty, so they're the favorites now to win the national title. Plus one fifty to make the final four. Also, the the lowest number there. So I, again, I agree with you. 
I don't think the plus 150 to make the final four, the value's not there for me, but I do, exactly. I'm clutching on to that national championship ticket. It's burning a hole in my back pocket, I think at 14 to 1, 12 to 1, 14 to 1, whatever I got it at, because this, t- this is a complete team. It really is. Um, inside, outside, both ends of the floor. I love UConn. I love what Hurley has done with this team, how he's prepared them, it feels like. And look, in the Big East, some nights the competition isn't there. Some nights it definitely is. They've still got to deal with Marquette um, and Creighton. And I guess my point is it's inconsistent, the level of opposition. So some nights you don't have to bring your A game. Like last night, they didn't have to bring their A game but they did and they rolled because of it. And that level of sharpness right now in the doldrums of February is a good sign to me. I am totally buying in on UConn, have all the faith in the world. They at least make it to the final four and they would be one of my favorites as well as they are at the books to win the national championship. I mentioned the big East Marquette 20 to one to win the national title 475 to make the final four faith. Faith, pardon me, or no faith, J-Rod, in Marquette? I guess I would have to say, let's wait till Saturday, right? The UConn plays Marquette on Saturday in Hartford. Uh, listen, 475 to make the Final Four. There's always that one team, right? There's always, and I'm not, I don't want to lump Marquette with an FAU or a Miami. I think they're better than them, and there wouldn't be as much of a surprise to see Marquette in the Final Four like we were with FAU or San Diego State or even, or even Miami. But I, I, I think Marquette has that look, right? They have that smell. They have that sort of aura of a team. And I think playing in the Big East, in the shadows of UConn, having to play UConn twice, I think that will give us a good measure. You know, I don't know if I would take a ticket of twenty to one to win the whole thing, but I, no. I kind of, I'm kind of itching that four set plus four seventy five to get to the Final Four. Yeah, it's a nice number. This eight-game win streak on the line Saturday in Connecticut. Um, and as a part of that, they've seen a guy like Tyler Kolex start to catch fire, right? He's gone over 25, three of his last four games. Had a huge game against Butler Tuesday night in that road win. I, I hesitate to say I have faith in Marquette to go all the way, but they are, like you said, a team that, could surprise some people there it's not out of the realm of possibility that you have two big right. East teams in the final four Marquette and UConn and Marquette I think has proven something to people that were doubting them even uh, three weeks ago like myself that didn't quite know if they had it in them they're proven some things to people over the last what would two, be two more shocking Max six mountain west teams in the tournament or two big east teams in the final four <laughs> <laughs> Six. I mean, that's a number. That's a realistic number, given the way they're playing right. out West. Right. Let's fire off one more real quick, uh, just because I want to make our guy Mario cringe. UNC, 14-1 to 1 to win the title, 3-1 to 1 to make the Final Four. I'm going to just come out and say, I don't have any faith. The way they've played the last couple of weeks, I don't, J-Rod. Not at, not at those numbers. They might not even win their own conference, let alone get there. I mean, come on. I mean... No, thank you. They've lost three out of five. Uh, 
same thing with Duke. I think we fall in love with what was as opposed to what is. So I'm going to say no to North Carolina. I mean, they have the ability, I think, to maybe start to put things together again. I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility. I just, as many holes have been poked in the Tar Heels over the last few weeks in multiple different ways, I don't think they have it in them to make a deep run, at least beyond the Elite Eight. I'm not buying Final Four tickets, certainly not national championship tickets on UNC right now. We'll talk more college hoops about an hour and five minutes from now. Colby Dant of the College Experience will join us. But coming up next, NFL offseason. Bang, we're ready to go. Super Bowl just days in the rearview mirror. Doesn't matter. NFL mock draft season already hitting. And we'll get into it next alongside Jim Rodriguez. Chris Mack here on BetQL Daily. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. And welcome back in. We'll get back into college hoops. As I said, one hour from now, Colby Dant, uh, host of the College Experience, will join us. Tell us what he thinks about some of these big-name teams as a big weekend of action approaches. Tonight's card as well with a couple games of note on it. We go off the board in 20 minutes. um, And lightning bets before we wrap up as well. Chris Mack alongside J-Rod. Jim Rodriguez with me here on BetQL Daily. In for Aaron Hawksworth and Joe Ostrowski. Enjoying some post-Super Bowl vacation time. Um, The NFL never sleeps, J-Rod. We know that. I mean, we are four days post-Super Bowl, and we're already getting the mock drafts. Hot and heavy. PFF, CBS, ESPN. They're everywhere. And let's be honest, this is for 31 teams. The goal is already laid out in front of them. It's go win the title next year. It's chase down the Kansas City Chiefs or whoever else is in your way. And we talked about it early in the week. If you're going to win, especially on the AFC side, but at all in the NFL anymore, if you're going Mm -hmm. to win, you have to have a quarterback. It can be a quarterback like Brock Purdy, who isn't necessarily elite, as I make the air quotes with my fingers. That's why you watch on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, He doesn't have to be elite, but a very good manager of the offense, in Brock Purdy's case specifically. Uh, In in all likelihood, though, if you want to get through the AFC side of things, you're going to have to have a very good, if not elite, quarterback, right? We've got Joe Burrow coming back healthy next year. Patrick Mahomes, everybody's chasing him. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP. Those are just the top four. We didn't even get to all the other guys involved on the AFC side of things. So you got to have a quarterback. Everybody knows that, and it makes top 10 picks that much more valuable. The odds for first overall pick have been posted at BetMGM. It's 12 to 1. Caleb Williams is the first overall pick. Now, you and I have had this conversation both on and off air. It seems like the Bears are set on detaching themselves from Justin Fields. I suspect that has to be the first domino to fall before we really even start to set the top five or top 10 in draft order, much less who's going to go where. But if we're just talking about slot, then Caleb Williams is the first overall pick, right? That's the guy. 
It's got to be, whether it's Chicago or not, and it looks more and more like it's going to be Chicago, they're going to end up keeping that pick. Yeah, it's 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 Caleb Williams uh, because of the collateral that you can get if you're a Bears uh, organization or anybody else that would want to make that trade. That's who you that's who you get. Mm-hmm. He, he is he is the crown jewel of the draft. Now, that being said, we don't know if, I guess, Washington or anybody else for that matter is willing to move up. Washington sitting at number two may be content to just sit there at number two and say, hey, we're not we're not piling all the assets up that are necessary to uh, try and pry Caleb Williams away from the Bears. After all the rumblings a couple weeks ago, it seems like things have cooled off and maybe Caleb Williams isn't going to try to Eli, his man, Eli Manning his way out of Chicago, either preemptively or post-draft uh, pick, Caleb Williams may be fine going to Chicago. That leaves Washington at two with a tough decision, I think, because I look at the quarterbacks in this draft, and I think there's there's a good number of second and third round quarterbacks, I think, in this draft. Mm-hmm. Guys that I would look at and be comfortable taking anywhere after like 20, 25. Get me between that like 20 and 60 spot. I think that should, would ordinarily be where the quarterbacks in this draft should go, at least the, the better quarterbacks in this draft. But again, in a world where everybody values quarterbacking more than they value anything else, guys are going to get overdrafted. I love Jaden Daniels. I don't know if I'd use the second overall pick on Jaden Daniels as some of these mock drafts have him go. I think Drake May's pretty good. I think he's going to be pretty good at the NFL level. But after what I've seen from Sam Howell, I don't know if I'm going out of my way to draft Drake May, who's minus 160 to be the second overall pick. If I'm sitting at two, I'm probably much more likely to lean in on a guy whose physical talents I've seen on display for a couple of years in Columbus in Maserati Marv, Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, The quarterbacks in this draft all seem very susceptible. And I didn't even mention Bo Nix or Michael Penix Jr., or J.J. McCarthy. I promise I didn't roll my eyes. It was just I had an itch. Um, little, all of these guys eyes. seem prone or susceptible to being overdrafted, J-Rod. Yeah, and, and then, you know, we were checking out the PFF uh, draft, and I'll tell you what, it, it, it was definitely theater. It was definitely a great movie script. The, the, the machinations that the Broncos would trade with the commanders, go up to two and draft Derek, uh, you know, Drake May. And then Washington would then trade up and go to 10 and, and draft J.J. McCarthy. Uh, what, what gets me is, is the, the one guy who's I kind of has been forgotten, and I'm glad you talked about him, was Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, that guy is an elite wide receiver. I mean, he could end up in Arizona down at four uh, at, at this rate. But again, if, if you're the Bears, uh, why wouldn't you make that? And if you were that committed to, to Justin Fields, why wouldn't you make that flip and get yourself Marvin Harrison to, uh, to give another tool to Justin right. Fields? Now, I get it. If you're off of Justin Fields, fine. Caleb Williams makes sense. But what I still am scratching my head about is Cliff Kingsbury going to Washington as an offensive coordinator for what? For Drake May? Not for yeah. Caleb Williams? I mean, clearly that Arizona money has run out, and it's time <laughs> to get a job, I guess, and, and, and not just 
you know, be, being a consultant for USC out in LA, I mean, he's going to have to buy socks. First of all, you know, the, the, the sockless Cliff Kingsbury isn't going to work in DC. Uh, I, I don't know what they're going to do it, it, to me. Why would you make that move? If you weren't going to get Caleb Williams, was it, was it a leverage thing? One of many things that Washington uh, has has in store. To me, Washington's better off. What I would do is get yourself a veteran quarterback through free agency and get Marvin Harris. That's what I would do. The irony of Kirk Cousins being available is just too right. Too, That's the thing. Too rich. How you like um, me now? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I agree with you. That, that, so there's two layers to this discussion now that we, we're kind of peeling the onion back here. One is the Cliff Kingsbury and Washington deal, which I suspect has as much to do with Dan Quinn going, offense? <laughs> I don't know. What's Find that? a good coordinator. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I don't want to call it a co-head coach situation, but I very much get the sense that in Washington it's going to be, hey, Cliff, you got that side of the ball, right? Okay, cool. I'm going to be over here with the guys that tackle. Um, so I get that sense that they're kind of going to split things down the middle, Dan Quinn has the D side. Kingsbury has the O side, and we'll go from there. Um, the question, though, about who the quarterback is going to be is a great one because Sam Howell showed us down the stretch, whether it was coaching, whether it was his talent or abilities or lack thereof, he's not the guy, I don't think, in Washington. Are you sure, though? And again, I really like Jaden Daniels. I think physically he's got all the tools yeah. to be a good NFL quarterback. I just think he's going to need time to develop. I think he's a classic addition of somebody who's going to need a redshirt year at the NFL level. When I look at Drake May, eh. When I look at J.J. McCarthy, it's meh. Um, you know, like I said, Knicks and Penix are, are late first, second, maybe even third round guys. There's nobody in this quarterback class that strikes me as I got to have this guy in the top 10, let alone the top five. Now, on top of that, you mentioned the free agent class, right? Kirk Cousins is available. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking even about for Washington specifically. I'm just talking about in general. Um, Russell Wilson. Eh. Um, there's whatever team doesn't win the Justin Fields trade sweepstakes, right? So there are arms out there to be had. To me, the idea of rolling the dice on Kirk Cousins for a year or two is more attractive than overdrafting a Drake May, than overdrafting a J.J. McCarthy or a Bo Nix or even a Michael Penix Jr. The, the unfortunate other side of the coin when it comes to that conversation, J-Rod, is that next year's quarterback class, it sounds like, is not even as good as this one's we're getting to the point where you need quarterbacks to compete like I started this conversation out with but mm -hmm. there's just not enough of them to go around and I don't know if this year's draft is is not going to end up being one of those spots where three or four teams walk away from it thinking "Ooh, we might have got our next guy who can help us compete but they don't end up being that guy and there's no answer coming up through the system like we don't know if Arch Manning is that guy in two years yet. It's just way too far out to know those kind of things. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. All this means, Mac, is that Mitch Trubisky is going to have a job for the next couple of years. Because somebody not Pittsburgh anymore. Somebody will sign that dude to go over there and, and hold the clipboard, and then oh, now you're the starting quarterback. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I understand the fascination with quarterbacks because listen, they're the MVP every year. They're the ones that win the Super Bowl MVP every year, and you're always hunting for that Patrick Mahomes that that nobody saw coming. That you know how much how much grief did the Chiefs get? for drafting Patrick Mahomes when they had a quarterback already and look what it turned into. So, you know, the NFL is such a copycat league. Everyone's trying to replicate that, but you're right. These guys after Caleb Williams, this, this is, this is, this is not, these are not top 10 picks. And, and, and according to some mock drafts, the first three picks are going to be quarterbacks, you know, right. Some people have Williams, May and Daniels. Now I think Jalen Daniels could actually be, could be serviceable in new england it could be something different for them a, a different kind of quarterback would actually may be able to help but again I, I harp back to washington for me you go get yourself whether it's a russell wilson whether it's a kirk cousins on a short term you've got a defensive guy you got a good defense get yourself a receiver in marvin harrison that could be the steal of this whole draft well and, and if you're arizona with- by the way if you're arizona you could end up with marvin harrison at four not paying top three money and all of a sudden you've got some more weapons and look out for Arizona. Well, that that's the point I was going to make too, about the, the high end wide receivers available in this draft, right? It's not just Marvin Harrison jr. It's Roma Dunze. It's Malik neighbors. 
it's guys that look to me anyway like legit 5 to 12 big board kind of guys, right? Like those are the guys in a draft where quarterbacks two through five may all end up getting overdrafted if they go before, say, the 40th spot in the draft. I don't understand why more teams are not looking to come back out of the top five, right? Back out of the top five if you're – even if you're New England, right? You desperately need a quarterback. If you're Washington and you need a quarterback, back out of the top five, drop yourself back into around the 10 spot, right? Between five and 12, like I said. Get yourself your wide receiver – on a first-round deal, which means you're going to get the fifth-year option, which keeps them cost-controllable into their fifth year, and wait to take, not a flyer, but wait to get a quarterback in a spot where they should be taken. Like, if if I'm, again, I'll throw the, we'll throw the Patriots out as an example, and let's say Jaden Daniels goes second, right? And I've got to choose between Drake May at three, and I don't know what kind of receiver talent is going to be available to me when I come back around in in the early second round, I'll be honest. I move back out of three. I grab myself some more draft capital. I fall back to say, I don't know, six or seven, maybe. I grab my wide receiver, maybe as far back as eight, nine, 10. I grab my elite level wide receiver, Harrison, Adunze. um, And then neighbors, and then, with one of those picks that maybe I just got traded to me, late first round, early second, whatever it may be, my next pick in the draft, then I jump on a Penix, for example, at quarterback. That's where I think the opportunity lies to more thoughtfully build out your offense and your roster so that you're also not then locked into that quarterback for five years if they don't Mm -hmm. end up being the guy. And that's the key because if you draft these guys top five, top 10, now you're paying some big bucks as opposed to drafting them top 15, top 20. And again, the cost for a Zach Wilson, for example, I think he, he, you know, for every Pat Mahomes, there's a Zach Wilson. And that's the part that I think these teams and these organizations are trying to, you know, sort of dance through the raindrops. But uh, I think Marvin Harrison is the guy that I think everyone's forgotten about. And the tough spot to be in, too, if you're 11, Minnesota, 12, Denver, uh, 13, Las Vegas, 14, New Orleans. Well, even, actually needs a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, e- even if you're all the way down to, say, like 19 in the Rams, you still got another year of Stafford, maybe 20 in Pittsburgh. You need a quarterback, but you're not in a spot, I don't think, where you're going to have one of those guys fall to you. And you've got other needs on the roster as well which is how you end up in like a Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, Justin Fields kind of spot where, hey, we'll take one of those guys, see how it works out for a year or two, and then maybe we come back around because, again, anybody other than Caleb Williams at quarterback, maybe Jaden Daniels, probably getting overdrafted if they go in the top 10. Mock draft season gets me so fired up, J-Rod. Almost as fired up as as deciding to swear off college basketball. Nonetheless, Colby Dant joins us in the third hour. Coming up next, we go off the board. There's some things we got to talk about. That's next on BetQL Daily. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by MGM on the BetQL Network. For just a few minutes, GTFO or oh yeah on the way, and Colby Dant in the final hour, as well as our lightning bets, because yeah, there's action tonight, and 
as poorly as last night went for all of us, it's, <laughs> it's simply in the odds that we have to bounce back tonight. So let's go off the board. I don't know if you guys saw this, J-Rod. Um, there is a new documentary out on Apple Plus tomorrow, I think it comes out. Uh, and I just saw the write-up about it in The Athletic this morning. It's called Dynasty. It's, I think, a 10-part anthology series all about yep. the Patriots dynasty, right? And the first couple episodes, it sounds like kind of slow. It's about the early Patriots dynasty and all the Super Bowls. And yay, everybody loves each other. And then the middle episodes kind of go through some of the difficulties, right? Spygate, Gate, Aaron Hernandez, um, stuff that isn't fun to talk about. And then the final three or four episodes, at least not fun to talk about for Patriots fans anyway, final three or four episodes start to get into the fraying relationship between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and why Brady basically decided, yeah, I, I could play till I'm 50. I knew I wasn't going to finish my career there because I simply, and he doesn't, I don't think says it in these words, but it sounds like he intimates, I just wasn't going to deal with Bill anymore. I can't say yeah. I blame the yeah. guy. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think we've all had one of these. I unfortunately had one of the worst bosses of all time. Not at this company, but in in, in a a previous stop, I had pretty much one of the worst human beings on the face of the earth as my boss. And it is so discouraging. I mean, in the write-up that you're talking about, uh, Gronkowski talks about getting getting to the team facility and sitting in his car and almost like not wanting to get out of his car because he didn't want to go to work, didn't want to deal with Bill and all that negative, toxic energy that was in that building. And that says, can you imagine Rob Gronkowski sitting in his car, not wanting to get out, him afraid of something? Or that's how bad it was out there. So I think it's fascinating. You know, there was sort of an interesting uh, but they thought it would be a big infomercial for Bob Kraft about getting him his campaign to go to the uh, you know Pro Football Hall of Fame, and I guess it's nothing like that. And in, unlike the Last Dance, which was controlled by Jordan, I guess this is going to be pretty hands off, and it's going to be pretty real. Uh, the first couple are going to be sort of you know a little boring because it's, it's more of a yeah. Uh, yeah, it's more it's more of a hey, this is how we got here. But the juiciness, and it's and it's over five Fridays. It's ten episodes. They release two episodes every Friday, starting uh, tomorrow, the sixteenth. So I, I'm fascinated by it, and it gets just it, it's amazing to me how I've always thought leaders, no matter what field that you're in, whether it's business, sports, mm-hmm. a leader, you don't treat everybody the same. Anybody that says I treat all, all my employees, you you can't. You got to treat your the people who, who who make the money for you, the people who are your best, you got to treat them. But you got to know who you're dealing with, who you can ride, who you can have to be gentle with, who you have to coddle. And, and there's nothing wrong with that as long as you demand accountability and responsibility. And it just sounds right. like Belichick was just too old school, too too cavemanish, and 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 Brady even said in the thing, you know, it wasn't the fifty million dollars. I just didn't want to deal with his ass. I can go get fifty million dollars yeah. somewhere else. Well, and it's just it's it's odd if you hear stories about Brady from his time in New England, that era. I've talked to guys who you know would walk into the locker room who were anxious to get there, right, because it was their first day with New England. 
Maybe they got picked up off waivers or they were a young draft pick, whatever it was. They get to New England for the first day and they're thinking they're getting there early, right? They get into the building, throw their stuff in their locker. They're trying to get settled in, right? They feel like they're the first person in the building. Like, this is awesome. And then all of a sudden, Tom Brady pops his head up and he's like, hey, hey. Like, I had one guy tell me this story. (laughs) His first day in the facility at One Patriots Way. He shows up early gets acquainted with all the people he needs to know and then goes into the locker room. And he's literally like the first person there. He's there that early goes back to use the bathroom and Brady walks in, right? It's still super early in the day, but Brady walks into the bathroom and you know, NFL locker rooms and their bathrooms are not small. The facilities are quite large. Okay. So he didn't have to walk right up next to him, but Brady walks right up next to him. Urinal right next to him. And they're, you know, doing what they got to do. Brady just looks at him and says, I just love to win. And he said there was this awkward moment where I'm standing next to Tom Brady in the Patriots locker room, peeing, and Tom Brady just walks up to me with like this weird look on his face and tells me how much he loves winning. But that's what Brady had to do. That's the mindset he had to get himself in to work for Bill Belichick. He had to be all in. So that even when he walks up to some poor rookie or free agent signing off the street, the first thing we communicate is, all we want to do is win, okay? Um, You got the sense when Brady went off to Tampa Bay that it it wasn't – it was a different dude, right? Like he was free, he was relaxed. Could could it have been any different? No risky, no bisky, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, he had the little web series with Gronk where they'd sit there and kid around with each other. I mean – totally different guy and he still won and so that's why you know I know people will always say well it was both of them in New England and without both of them they wouldn't have won as much as they did I I get that I agree but if I'm ever looking for the reason the Patriots dynasty crumbled at the end it's not because I don't put the onus on Tom Brady because he decided to walk away and leave for Tampa I put the onus on Bill Belichick and even so, even as much as on Robert Kraft for not getting a hold of Bill Belichick right. and saying, Bill, you, you, you got to find a different way. I put it on Belichick for continuing to try and manage humans, people, the same way he did 15, 20, 30 years ago when he was a def- defensive coordinator in New York or when he was a head coach in Cleveland. You coached guys like that back then. Maybe it worked for Pepper Johnson and Carl Banks and LT. It's not going to work for everybody. And the fact that Tom Brady held out as long as he did, I don't want to you know, make him a martyr here or anything, but the yeah. fact that Tom Brady went through it as long as he did, man, I'd have been out after the first three Super Bowls and been like, yeah, I'm good. I'm going somewhere else. He hung on till the very end and finally just said, I can't do Belichick anymore. There's there there's a saying and I, and I and I agree with it because I've experienced it. You don't leave jobs, you leave bosses, and I think that's yeah. what he that's that's what Brady did. He didn't leave the job, he left the boss, and and you know and it worked out for him for Brady, and and it really hasn't worked out for Belichick. So so yeah, man. Listen, back then, back in the old days, you know when when football was in standard definition, players needed to be told what to do. Now they need to be told why they're doing it and it makes them yep. better coaches. And it's, and it's the coaches that develop and understand that, that have success today. 
I'm saddened by this, J-Rod, but on Valentine's Day of all days, the inventor of Pop-Tarts passed away yesterday. Bill Post, at the age of 96, so a long, illustrious life. Let's be clear about that. The man invented Pop-Tarts, passed away yesterday. I don't think you could put just about any flavor in a Pop-Tart, and it's going to be passable, right? But I don't think there's any greater on-the-go breakfast treat. You know, I'm rushed, I'm hurried, my alarm didn't go off, but I still have to grab something out of the pantry as I run off to get to work. Then a brown sugar cinnamon Pop-Tart. I don't know, man. It's hard to find anything as good. You give me a blueberry Pop-Tart, and I'll be your best friend forever. By the way, what a renaissance. What a renaissance for pop the Pop-Tart Bowl, right? What a renaissance. I mean, what yeah. an unbelievable. It's like John Travolta coming back when he made Pulp Fiction, right? It was just sort of this thing that it was like, eh, but what a renaissance. I mean, and, and I'm glad Pop-Tart Bowl's coming back. Shoot, this should be the national championship. Yeah, I mean, what a run for them. What a run for for, for Mr. Post. 96, man. Whew. Man, I, I Rename got it the Bill Post Bowl, pantry. man. That's it. Yeah, I, there's, there's brown a nice sugar blueberry cinnamon one. Yeah, so everybody has their flavor. Like Mike Brown, our video producer, chimed in in the in the chat. He's cherry for, for life. You're all about the mm-hmm. blueberry. I'm all about the brown sugar cinnamon. It's crazy how everybody has a Pop-Tart flavor that they swear by. Like I said, you could you could put just about any flavor filling in a pop tart, and it's going to be at least passable. Do you toast but everyone has a flavor that they love. I don't have to toast it. I think brown sugar cinnamon actually is better not toasted, but yeah. that's I think that's part of the. I, I've never I've never it toasted it. I've never toasted it. Now I think what I've the done. cherry ones, the cherry ones, the fruit filling ones, I think they're better when they are toasted. But that's just me. But then you, you crumple it up, you crumple it up, you put it in the microwave, and you put some ice cream on it. Oh, boy. Oh, that's oh, jeez. Oh, boy. Oh, hey, now, see, I didn't there's... Get this, trust me, there is long discipline to get like this. <laughs> I, now I want to do the toasted brown sugar cinnamon with, like, al, like a la mode. With a scoop of vanilla yeah. ice cream on top. Crumple it up, put the little bit. Oh, forget oh, about it. Oh, that might forget be dessert tonight. Now I'm gonna think I'm gonna think about brown sugar cinnamon pop tarts all day. You're not holding out till tonight. There's an hour left in this show. We all know where you're going. <laughs> I'm going straight to the pantry, Jake. You're right. I am gonna crush it's a pretty long a brown break. sugar cinnamon pop tart. Yeah. You're right. Uh, okay. I'm guilty guilty as charged. It's pop tart time during the break. I, everybody has Man, their flavor, but now, now that you've opened up my eyes to the idea of pairing with the ice cream, J-Rod, I'll be honest, this Brother. is, this is a whole new, Brother. how many breakfast treats can double down as a, as a dessert, the way a Pop-Tart right. can, now that you've introduced Or, or you, you get, you get a little, you get some chocolate, like, 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 like a Hershey bar and you make like a s'mores with the Pop-Tart. I'm so hungry. Good right night, now. everybody. You're right. Good night, everybody. Jake, I'll leave. I'll leave the next segment up to you guys. I'm going to get pop tarts. Colby Dant coming up in about 25 minutes as well to talk college hoops. Lightning bets before we wrap up. 
It's Pop-Tart season here on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. I'm hungry. Goodbye. Let's go.